Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. We're back with the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast on the planet that focuses on watching soccer on television, online and apps. In episode 75, we feature news about Fox Sports acquiring the English language and Spanish language TV rights to several Liga MX clubs. Plus, we've got uh, which European league sold their TV rights for 1.3 billion dollars and big TV ratings news about the UEFA Champions League final between Liverpool and Real Madrid. Plus lots of letters from you the listeners. My name is Christopher Harris, aka the Gaffer, and I'm joined by Kartik Krishnaya. Uh just a couple of weeks ago to, to go Kartik until the World Cup kicks off and um it's the calm before the storm. So for listeners and for you Kartik, it's probably a good time to kind of just take a take a break. Um not not as many soccer games on television. Uh we can look back this pa- at this past week, but it's a cha- chance to actually recharge those batteries because in two weeks from now it's going to be essentially three games a day for a whole month yeah uh for me I, i'm trying to take this time to not really watch any soccer and i say this and i made the announcement of taking a couple weeks off but um there's always news that happens and uh, there's more and more news that seems to be coming out about u.s soccer and major league soccer and, and our lower divisions in the US and uh quite frankly Chris I, I I mean I'm connected as you know as our listeners know to a n- number of local clubs in South Florida and they I'm going Wednesday Saturday Wednesday Saturday uh attending matches so I was at a Miami FC versus Fort Lauderdale Storm game last night I'll be uh actually calling the Boca FC versus Miami FC game on Saturday for radio and then uh there's an open cup game the next Wednesday so I say I'm taking a break but soccer never sleeps Yeah, I guess for listeners and myself included too, it's probably a good time to actually go see your local clubs. I mean, go see your whether it's USL or NPSL or Major League Soccer or whatever league it may be. Uh it's a good chance to kind of go go to some of those. So if you do have a a local club, definitely check it out. So Karthik, we've got some big news this week uh across the board, but let's go ahead and start off with uh, what we've been watching uh and what stood out for you this past week. Yeah, so Fulham and Aston Villa obviously in the championship final uh which was on uh on uh, ESPN plus behind a paywall here in the United States John Champion called the match uh in the in the style that John Champion only John Champion can and it's funny i think we're we're seeing so many championship matches on the ESPN family of networks uh this year where John Champion now has become for american audiences 
uh, the voice of the of the championship, much like uh, and we're used to his voice on the Premier League, and we're used to his voice on other ESPN produced broadcasts, uh, even in the U.S. Uh, International Champions Cup, etc. Uh, some U.S. men's national team games, occasional MLS games, but uh, uh, very soothing, very calming. I thought it was a. Uh, a, a, a rather pedestrian match considering what was at stake. I mean, you never know what you get in these championship finals. You get the Swansea-Reading uh, final from a couple of years ago, which we know you were on the edge of your seat for, Chris, and, and very nervous uh, big day in Swans history. Or do you get a final like this, or the year Palace played Watford in the final. Um, the semifinals in both uh, ties had been fantastic, uh, and Watford and Palace played in the final. It was one of the worst matches I can remember watching on the big stage. This was... Uh, a good 30 minutes from Fulham. After that, um, I thought the match was pretty poor. Jack Grealish stood out uh, as a player that uh, he's, he's developed and evolved his game. I, I mean, there was a lot of hype about him a few years ago when Villa were still in the Premier League. He didn't pan out at that time. A lot of controversy about whether he pl- he committed to England or the Republic of Ireland internationally at the time. Uh, but now he seems a, a tidy player. And then on the Fulham side, uh, Sessegnon, player everyone wants to see, There was a lot of um, articles written after this match, Chris, about how Fulham could help revive the kind of stylistic uh, feel of the Premier League next season. Um, I know there are a lot of Premier League apologists that get mad at me on Twitter when I say that the league is simply not that good right now by relative to where it's been in the past and relative to other top European leagues. But that's um, that's not just an opinion I have. It's an opinion a lot of writers and people who cover the league professionally have, that uh, the Premier League is down, uh, that the um, there's a reason why you've seen diminishing performances in Europe other than obviously Liverpool this season. Uh, but a feeling is that, that more and more teams are playing negatively because of the gap between the top six and the rest of the league. There is an optimism about Fulham, uh, similar to the optimism people shared about Blackpool several years mm-hmm. under Ian Holloway, and, and maybe more recently um, uh, uh, Watford when they came up. Uh, although Watford was promoted under this manager and he got got sacked over the summer um, and they became a more defensive side under Kiki Sanchez-Flores. But uh, Kiki, uh, but they, um, Fulham, there's a lot of optimism out there, Chris, about the kind of football they're going to play. Maybe they'll be a team that is fighting and scrapping their way up the Premier League table playing open, expansive football, nice, slick passing football, unlike what we've seen recently, which is teams uh, that will bunker. And even if they intend to play nicely, uh, like Eddie Howe's Bournemouth, eventually fall into a pattern where they're bunkering a lot more than they want to because of just the gap in, in, in level of, uh, of player and talent. So a lot of optimism about Fulham. I get the sense that uh, people are very happy they're, they're coming up because of the stock. Yeah, I think it's one of those things though, can't take it. Sometimes it's to me, it's more so the TV revenue is is a uh, a factor in why some of these Premier League clubs, especially the bottom half, was so so many teams were so negative because there was so much on the line. Uh, the easiest way to score is kind of just keep it negative, keep it tight, and just launch the ball forward and and hope for the best type of thing, rather than constructively set up a team uh, to play a fluid style of football, very attacking minded. You, you know what I mean? Kind of uh, a, lot, a lot of speed, etc. That's much harder to do than than to to do kind of the basics, and and, and the basics is kind of what we I think we've seen this past season in the Premier League. Just too many teams that play kind of a very basic style. Hopefully, Fulham will be it. I mean, hopefully that'll inject some positivity into the league. Uh, for me personally, uh, one of the most appealing factors of watching Fulham play 
is actually just seeing the games from Craven Cottage. I mean, one of the most amazing uh, stadiums in England. And whether you're in person or in television, but just seeing the games from, from there, it's just a scenic, uh, scenic stadium, scenic spot. Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. For, the, for this match, I watched this. Actually, I, di- I didn't watch it. I listened to it on Talk Sports. So uh, it was Nigel Adderley and Dean Ashton doing the commentary. And I was originally planning to sign up for ESPN Plus to watch um, the championship playoffs and, and the League One, League Two playoffs. I didn't. So at this point, I'm probably going to wait until this summer to see if Swansea's uh, going to be available. Well, actually, some of the games will be on ESPN Plus. So I'll probably end up signing up uh, probably, I guess, end of July, beginning of August and signing up for ESPN Plus just to watch Swansea play in the championship games through there. Usually play what, once or twice a month. Through the, through that way, um, but still for me, ESPN Plus doesn't have that pull, doesn't have that thing that I'm gonna be like, okay, I gotta watch it, I gotta have it. While for you, Carter, going with ESPN FC, being a huge fan of that show, that's that's a huge hook for you. Um, I like the show, I like the people on it. It just I I, I usually don't have time to watch that show uh, all the time as much as I would like to. And then Kartik, uh, so the big game then on Saturday after the uh, the Fulham game, the Fulham Aston Villa game, which was a little bit disappointing. The, the actual performance was Real Madrid against Liverpool in the UEFA Champions League final. Um, this one, Kartik, it was interesting too because speaking of ESPN, uh, what was ESPN's um, coverage like um, in the week leading up to uh, the actual uh, final in Kiev? Yeah, so uh, ESPN FC's crew was in Kiev uh, the entire week, led by Dan Thomas. You had Gab Marcotti there, Stuart Rob, Rob Honingstein, really covering the clock angle. Sid Lowe was there, and they really dug into the nuts and bolts of, uh, uh, of the Champions League start, final, starting on Monday, all the way through uh, Saturday and Sunday, where they uh, now ESPN FC is seven days a week. So six shows, six ESPN FC shows, were anchored from Kiev. Now they would have Seb Salazar back in uh, Bristol with uh, Shaka Hislop or, or Stevie Nichol or Alejandro Moreno to go over um, their views, but it was all kind of Champions League foot final wall-to-wall at all times. And there was a little bit of MLS thrown in there, a little bit of transfer talk. Uh, or actually, I guess a lot of transfer talk, but they were always just on that show. But um, it, it was fantastic. And you wonder, okay, Fox is the rights holder. I, I mean, well, do we even go down this uh, path, yeah, Chris? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, go, I, go down it. <laughs> Fox is the rights holder, and they had no one in Kiev other than a, a reporter, Keith, right? Yeah, Keith Costigan. Keith Costigan. Yeah. Um, ESPN had made the commitment the entire week. Now, the same thing happened last year in Cardiff. It was one thing when it was in Cardiff. Look, uh, uh, most of you, if you're Americans who listen to the show, you, you probably like Chris and I go to the UK. Um, uh, Every year, every other year, every third year, but you go often. Get, getting to Cardiff is not very difficult from the east coast of the United States, but getting to Kiev is a whole other uh, ball of wax. And yet they still made the institutional commitment to, to, to take people based in the U.S. and then grab their European-based uh, correspondents and bring them to Kiev, uh, which uh, is it, it, quite impressive. And again, their, um, their previews, uh, ESPN FC, it's now behind a paywall, unfortunately, as, as you mentioned. But uh, all of that was indispensable because there was no buildup. There was no uh, previews. There was no real bumper coverage from Fox at all. Yeah. Uh, now, again, they've lost the rights. I get that. But this is something that's gone on in previous years also. 
Yeah, it's it's puzzling because uh, this is probably the first time in my memory I can think of where Fox didn't send anyone to any of the well. Sideline reporter uh, accepted. I mean, so Keith Coston, yes. But in terms of commentators, either commentators or co-commentators or studio anal- uh, analysts, they didn't send anyone to um, to anywhere in the Champions League this season. Uh, I think last season, didn't they send some the crew to probably... Yeah, they're probably in Cardiff on that one. But this season, they didn't send anyone uh, from the commentating, com- co-commentating or, or talent uh, other than a, a pitch-side reporter. And then you have to think about FA Cup. I don't think they sent anyone to any of the FA Cup matches. In previous uh, years, they've had people there in the stadium commentating the final, at least. And sometimes they've done semifinals, etc. Especially when they're doing the, the Gus Johnson thing and had Ian Wright and uh, a bunch of others kind of uh, go into to those games. So it's puzzling because I mean, it's the last season. It's the last season for the FA Cup uh, for Fox and the Champions League. Uh, you would think it's down to cost cutting i can't think of any other reason why they wouldn't send the crew uh other than to maybe give more rationale or maybe to uh support their claim that um most commentators commentate from a a studio off off the mic uh, off, off the monitor that's the only thing I can think of. It just does not make sense at all. I will give credit to Keith Costigan, though, too, because with the UEFA Champions League final pregame show, uh, within a few minutes, he jumped right in, and the first interview he got was with Steve McManaman, uh, pitch sides in Kiev, and that was a great interview there to get that opportunity there. But overall, I mean, it's just um, it's uh, really embarrassing, I mean, to be the rights holder. And then, then you have NBC, who has their own team of people, Every single weekend throughout the entire season, and then I think this season, this past season, they I think they had uh, the crew. They sent them out with the whole crew. I mean Rebecca Lowe and uh, the two Robbies, uh, etc. Sent them out to UK twice uh, during the season to do kind of a whole full weekend. So really bizarre uh, from from Fox and uh, really disappointing. I mean we'll get more into the TV ratings a little bit later, but disappointing where they're just half-assing it. Yeah. And then, and, no- and, and, and then we got the DraftKings uh, infomercial too, right in the pregame. So it, it was just, um, I mean, it, it's as bad as you can get, really, uh, unfortunately. Well, taking their cue from Don Garber on the gambling angle, I guess. Uh, before you jump into the USA Bolivia, so I, I did listen to Talk Sport Radio 2 for the Rotherham against Shrewsbury. Uh, League 1 uh, ch- uh, playoff final, uh, which went to extra time. And, and through radio, that sounded like a really thrilling match, end-to-end action, uh, rather um, uh, eventually going through on that one in extra time. And then we had the Bolivia-USA game that was on Memorial Day. And I'm not sure about you, Kartik, so I haven't talked to you about this one. But for me, uh, I had to switch it off after about 20 minutes. I mean, Bolivia was so bad. They were so bad in this game, uh, just from the back, just making basic mistakes, and um, it wasn't until later that I found out this was essentially a Bolivia C team. Um, this was a really, really weak Bolivia team. And uh, I, I, I just, it was so one-sided and, and Bolivia was so bad. I was just, okay, I, I just switched it off. How about well, you? How dare you say that? The narrative now is that uh, U.S. are world beaters, that 
this group of kids are going to be a uh, greatest generation. Uh, they're going to be like the Belgian generation that's uh, uh, playing currently. I, I, you know what? I, I can't talk about the U.S. men's national team. I mean, I made it a policy, and people who know, follow me on Twitter know I tweet about anything, uh, it, 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 not just soccer, but obviously politics and, and travel and, and global society and all kinds of uh, current events, and, and, and don't generally don't have a filter. I stopped tweeting during U.S. men's national team games over a year ago because of the just – the, the the delusion, the, the, the high levels of delusion U.S. fans have. And I thought, okay, maybe after uh, non-qualification, that's changed. The levels of delusion after this match are perhaps worse than what we used to see. I mean, it's, it's as if, and then there are people who are arguing with me privately saying things along the lines of, well, you know, uh, it's different now because all these young players are going to be playing together and um, – they, they, uh, they've shown so much, and they have technical ability that Americans haven't had before. No, we Americans have for years hyped up, uh, whether it's the Juan Agudelos or the Danny Satellas or the Sal Zizos. I mean, I could go on and on. Right. Guys that were supposed to be, uh, you know, even guys like Charles Rankin who, and Joseph Gaia, who never amounted to anything. Uh, so it's just... It's just that cycle again. The difference being the te- the, the senior players are, are, have been so discredited that there's been an to integrate all these young players in the in this from the youth national team into the senior national team at an earlier stage, which could be a good thing or could be a very bad thing. Uh, we don't know. And uh, to, to to just kind of assume that all of these players, when there's a history of American players dropping off between the ages of 18 and 22, we know. We've talked about this before. The U.S. tends to do well at youth tournaments, uh, at U-17 and U-20 tournaments, not at the U-23 level. We've seen them not qualify for two successive Olympics. But the U.S. tends, with some exceptions, to do well at the U-17 and U-20 level. Um, those players then hit a wall in their development between 18 and 22. And in, in often cases, it doesn't matter. Often, um, It doesn't matter whether they're in Major League Soccer because a lot of people in the narrative want to blame uh, MLS or if they're in Europe. They just... There's some sort of mentality or mental block with American players. Now, there are exceptions. Christian Pulis is just clearly an exception. But I don't know if Justin McKinney is an exception yet. I don't know that any of these other guys we've seen are exceptions yet. Uh, in fact, Rubio Rubin was a guy we were talking about three, four years ago as being the great U.S. star. He's now 22. I know he looked good in this game. But he has uh, essentially flunked out in Europe is now and now back in Liga Emeki. So, um Yet another example of a player that between 18 and 22 hit a wall. Julian Green's another one. He was in this. Between 18 and 22 right. hit a wall. Yeah, um, but, but, but that's the thing, though, too. I mean, I mean, to me, I'm all for playing playing the youth. I mean, all giving them an experience. But when you're playing against such a weak opposition, it's really hard to tell how good or not they are because yeah. they look good because the, 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 weak, uh, the actual opposition is so inferior. Um, to, to me, though, too, and that's, that's the thing, too, if you, did, if you do criticize the U.S. men's national team, then it's almost like you're being unpatriotic. It's not, right. about, you know, it's not about the football. It's about, well, don't you support the United States? And it, it reminds me a lot of England because England always hypes up the, uh, the youth. Like they'll have a young player that play one, one game or even, even in the Premier League and score a goal. And, <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden this is the, the, the next big thing. And then you mean, he plays for England in a, in a meaningless friendly against some, some Eastern Bloc country. And people going crazy about it. It's it's the same. It's the same thing. It's it's it's, uh, it's frustrating. Can't <laughs> um, Anything more to say about this one before I move on to Mexico Wales? 
Uh, no, no, that's about it. All right. Speaking of meaningless friendlies, we had Mexico against Wales, and I, I'm Welsh. I'm, I was born in Wales. I, I grew up in Wales, and and I'm, I'm an American citizen, and I also have my my British passport still, um, and I go back to Wales every few years or so. But in this game, I, I couldn't believe how many youngsters Wales was, was playing against a pretty strong Mexico team. And even some of these Welsh players that came off the bench, I was like, I don't even know who these people are. I've, I've never even heard of these players. They're, they're so like kind of low down in the, in the rank ranking. Uh, it's Again, it's good that Ryan Giggs is playing a lot of these uh, youngsters. Um, we saw Dave Brooks, uh, David Brooks from Sheffield United, who's a really promising uh, atta- attacking uh, winger at times and or centre-forward. Um, so some definitely some good youth coming through the system. It played in front of a huge crowd at the Rose Bowl, but uh, I think I switched it off after halftime. Again, it, it's a meaningless friendly. It's just an opportunity for, to get these players some uh, some fitness and to you mean to kind of gel together before uh, the World Cup in in Mexico's case. But uh, as a TV viewing perspective, it just uh, it, it's a complete turn off. All right, Kartik, so now buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy, and that's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event, whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and just with a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I used the uh, SeatGeek uh, app uh, just the other day to buy tickets to the International Champions Cup coming up uh, this summer uh, throughout the States, and it's really, really easy to use. Now, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever. It saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theatre. Best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code WSTPOD today. That's promo code WSTPOD for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Now, Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news. Yeah, so Fox uh, Sports is reported first on World Soccer Talk, uh, has acquired... uh, uh, Club Tijuana, the Zolos, uh, writes in English and Spanish. And they've also picked up uh, uh, some other Liga Mekis uh, rights with Monterrey and Santos Laguna. Laguna uh, obviously, Santos Laguna, the reigning champions. Monterrey have been arguably the best team in the North American region or in the CONCACAF region club team over the course of the last almost decade. Uh, and uh, Tijuana is uh, probably the one of the more popular club teams in the United States. So, um Great, great pickups for Fox Sports as they're losing rights uh, with other soccer properties. Yeah, I'm surprised on this one that, that uh, more people haven't reported on it. So, so Will Soccer Talk uh, broke the story this week, and uh, it, this is huge. This is massive news to have English language and Spanish language rights to Liga MX uh, games. 
and, and like you said too, Kartik, uh, it's Club Tijuana is uh, kind of a very hip club. It's um, I mean just over the border uh, from Southern California. I know there's a lot of uh, soccer fans in Southern California that uh, they consider that their home team. They, they'll drive down to games to see Club Tijuana play, usually on Friday nights for the home games. Um, and that's what Fox has the rights to uh, beginning in late July. They'll have the, the rights to the, the home games for uh, Club Tijuana in both uh, Liga MX and Copa MX, uh, as well as the Spanish rights too. So the Spanish rights will be on Fox Deportes, and uh, we're looking at probably FS1 or FS2 for the, um, the actual English rights. Now, the, the Santos uh, Laguna, uh, which is huge too, because, I mean, they just won um, the, the Liga MX, uh, was it the uh, Clausura um, just just a couple few weeks ago? So the Santos Laguna rights will begin in July 2019. So uh, so listeners will have to wait a year uh, for that to be able to watch those games on Fox Sports. Uh, Monterey though, Monterey it'll start in uh, again late July this year. Uh, Monterey, I mean, it's got uh, a fantastic stadium with with a beautiful backdrop. Uh, one of the oldest clubs in Mexico. And then Santos Laguna, they're, they're definitely uh, doing really well on the pitch. So it's it's this is huge, and, and uh, there's a lot of people excited about this. And I think this is going to be a huge hit for Fox Sports. So, I mean, full credit to them for making a, a great decision here to to bring on those rights. And it'll be interesting to see who they put in the spots uh, for the commentators and and the analysts. Because um, personally speaking, I'm so far with the. Uh, the Mexico games, the L3 games, uh, I, th- I think they're what the, who they have, the talent that they have is pretty weak. Um, so there's definitely an opportunity to improve in that area. Now, Kartik, speaking of Fox Sports, uh, our friend Rob Stone, uh, Fox Sports uh, presenter, was on the Alexi Lalas uh, State of the Union podcast this week. And uh, I listened in just to see if there was anything, uh, any news or any- anything interesting that came out of it. And here's what I got. So let me go ahead and play this for you, and then uh, I'll get your reaction, and, and then I'll talk about my re- reaction in, in a second. Napoli's been there. Uh, in, Roma in showed about, great growth this year. Roma showed great growth and all that kind of stuff. But, but, but what Masi's case is, is how it relates to the league and the perception of the league, especially globally now, because these are global brands. And I'm not talking about the individual teams as global brands. I'm talking about the leagues as global brands. You still cannot touch the EPL. Now, the EPL is the most popular league in the world. I would say that it is, for a lot of people, the most entertaining. And I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying that. But I would also submit to you that it is the most competitive because of the fact that there are so many teams, notwithstanding what Manchester City did uh, this year. But the fact that you can have a Leicester. The fact that, now, what, not competitive relative to MLS, where any team any, any, any year can win it. But you still have so many more teams in the EPL that at the beginning of the season you think this team can win it as opposed to those other leagues. So, yes, Real Madrid is dominating and and La Liga teams have done very, very well. But I don't think that it translates to the value of La Liga in the way that it translates to the value of EPL. I I look at a lot of things through, through a marketing or PR type eye scope of things, you know? There are many people out there that would take you to task for right. that. I get yelled right. at that for all the yeah, time. Yeah, I, mean, I think American soccer fans do that more so than any, but just because... Probably, but, but my point being, La Liga, do we have great respect for it? Of course we do. But La Liga only matters a couple weekends a year, in all honesty. 
Hot take. Hot take. Hot take alert. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? When do, when do Real Madrid and Barcelona play each other? Circle that. Great. El Clasico. Here we go. Then it's like, now change the channel and get me back to my regular programming, which is, uh, you know, the ton of storylines that EPL has so fantastically been able to produce. They have marketed themselves really well. Their PR is... Okay. And then, and then he goes on and on and on. Kartik, what's your thoughts about that one? I always get on uh, these American fans of the Premier League, and not all of them, obviously, but a lot of American fans of the Premier League have a very ignorant view of the uh, of La Liga. Uh, they say it's a two-team league. They say uh, that the teams mid-table in Spain can't compete with the teams mid-table in England. Look, I'm my, the Premier League's my favorite league. I'm an Anglophile. I, I mean, everything. Uh, so much of my life is based around things that go on in Britain that uh, I, I'm partial to the Premier League. But I will tell you, I think even teams 10 through 15 or 7 through 15 in La Liga are much better at this point, at this very point in time, than um, in the Premier League. Chris, I get on these American fans for expressing such an ignorant view, such a view which is divorced from reality, Premier League propaganda, um, just uh, uh, very, very um, – biased views, but then when the, the, the person who has arguably the most prominent role in presenting soccer in the United States expresses the very same view, albeit it, you know, words it a little differently, but the very same view, I, then you realize where this comes from. This is, this is just an absolutely stunning, um, stunning comment. I mean, I, 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 uh, I, I yeah. just don't even know where to start. I mean, and, and this is from a guy who's been a presenter has been the studio host when Atletico Madrid, which is not one of the big two, um, right. gets to two Champions League finals while he's he's the presenter. Uh, it's stunning, yeah. and he's been uh, they've covered the Europa League where you've had Sevilla and Atleti again, and you've had uh, even Hatafe and Osasuna have these runs in in, in Europa League at Valencia. I, I I I'm just floored by this. It's stunning. No wonder everybody. No one. No wonder so many American fans express such ignorant views of La Liga when it's coming right from the top. Yeah, it's, it's embarrassing. I mean, it's one of those things that you would expect him to be a person that's actually watching those leagues a little bit more closely, especially with the World Cup coming up. And, uh, you mean, as his, as his role, asking tough questions to the analyst in the studio, you'd expect him to, to know about, uh, to be watching the leagues around the world a lot more rather than watching some other, you know, bowling or whatever sports he's watching instead of watching La Liga. But to me, it's completely uh, ignorant uh, and it's embarrassing. I mean, he says that La Liga only matters a couple of weekends a year. If that's the logic he's using and uh, he's saying that's basically... Explain how Real Madrid's lost season well, uh, when well, nobody in the Champions League could beat them explain some of their losses in La Liga this season well yeah but that's the, but going by his logic where only two games a year matter in La Liga then that means that zero games in Major League Soccer matters I mean he, he, I'm sure in his mind he's thinking that uh, yeah there's a lot of stuff happening in Major League Soccer we've got parity I mean we've got all these uh, clubs canceling each other out uh, you never know what's going to happen but it's really embarrassing because the other thing that's embarrassing too is that Fox Sports potentially could have an opportunity to acquire the rights to La Liga in the near future with the uh, what's uh, Bean's rights are coming up in probably about a year and a half to two years that the, there's a chance for the English language rights to be acquired by say a Fox and Fox could have these games in, in the afternoons uh, on weekends when they've lost out on the on the UEFA Champions League it's really embarrassing and uh, in some ways I'm not surprised um, but still, it's when I heard it, I was I, I was flabbergasted. I was I, I'm like I can't believe he's thinking that way, but uh, that explains a lot. 
Yeah, it sure does. All right, moving on. Um, some big news out of the Middle East uh, this week. And uh, for those who may not be aware of this story, uh, I don't think we've covered it up, up until this date. But what's happening is that, uh, politically speaking, there's a lot of, um, I guess, a, a, a lot of uh, turmoil between the Middle East countries, uh, Qatar and uh, Saudi Arabia, Arabia especially. So what's happened is that um, in Saudi Arabia, um, they've, they're pirating BN Sports' feed that's coming out of uh, Qatar. So alleged, allegedly, is, is Saudi Arabia, and actually it's the Saudi Arabian government, has been able to actually pirate the BN Sports feed coming out, out of Qatar, which means that people in Saudi Arabia are being able to watch uh, the Premier League, the Champions League, and coming up soon, the World Cup, for free, uh, instead of subscribing to uh, BN Sports in Saudi Arabia. Now, the channel, the pirate channel is called... Instead of being sports, it's called Be Out Q, which would be, I mean, Be Out of, of, of Qatar is, is what the message they're sending. And um, Qatar has gone ahead and asked FIFA to take action on the Saudi piracy. And uh, supposedly, uh, well, actually not supposedly, but uh, reportedly is that uh, the folks at Bean Sports and a lot of the, the technology kind of experts have investigated this, and they said that definitely the, the Be Out Q feed is coming from Saudi Arabia, uh, and they believe that uh, Saudi Arabia is not doing anything to try to stop this from happening, and they believe that the government is involved. So this is one to watch. It uh, just goes to show that online piracy can be used for um, political advantages, and uh, and also, I mean, this is going to be a huge hit to be in sports. I mean, they have the rights. They're paying these I mean, multi-million dollars, if not billions of dollars, for these rights. And um, they're being hurt by, by the Saudi Arabian, if not the government, or at least the Saudi Arabian um, pirate group out of there. All right, Kartik, one more piece of news before we move on. Yeah, so Liga TV rights have been sold for... One billion dollars, a sixty percent increase to Media Pro, who also, by the way, uh, acquired the European rights, continental European rights for Seria recently, a Chinese company. So this is a, a pretty stark development. They're, they're going ahead and, and spending a lot of money to acquire rights to the top European leagues. Yeah, and just to clarify, so that's one billion pounds. So it's about one point three billion dollars. Uh, this is uh, in France only, so it's the domestic rights. But um, 60% increase from, from the last rights deal to this new rights deal, that is huge for Ligue 1. And uh, it's going to mean, give a lot of money to these uh, French clubs. So to, I mean, in the past, I mean, for the last what, couple of decades, a lot of the European clubs, Arsenal as one example, has really been kind of uh, picking and choosing some of the best players from France. Uh, this will give it an opportunity now for the French clubs to hold on to some of those players and potentially uh, go ahead and uh, compete better in the Champions League. Yeah, it's very interesting for me because it, it coincides with Brexit. So one of my big concerns about what happens to the Premier League in a post-Brexit uh, Britain is that there is this... Uh, 
possibility that EU based players without national team caps, and particularly I'm thinking of French, Dutch, and Belgian players at that point, because there's been a huge influx of those players for the last 20 years into the Premier League. Uh, they may not be as accessible to a lot of the Premier League clubs, to uh, particularly mid table and, uh, and, and teams fighting relegation. So uh, now there's an even greater incentive for some of those guys to stay in the French league with this added money. So this is, uh, th- th- this could uh, really kind of develop a change in, in transfer policies, et cetera, and the flow of players that we've seen really for the last 15 or 20 years. Yeah, that's huge news. All right, so let's move on to TV ratings and Kartik, a huge number, an absolutely massive number here for the Liverpool-Real Madrid final on Fox, on the big Fox. Two million viewers for this one on Saturday from 2.45 to 4.45 Eastern time. Uh, Obviously helped by Liverpool, I think, in many ways. I mean, this is uh, the first time in several years that you've had a a Premier League club in the final. Real Madrid with a huge fan base in the United States too. So uh, the the two combined, two million, that's a massive number for Fox. And it's just a shame too that they're, they're losing out on the Champions League and the Champions League going to Turner Sports and Bleacher Report starting uh, in August. The timing of this is bad, but uh, I guess they'll, they'll take it and they'll probably say, like, hey, uh, all that money we saved in, uh, in having our commentators in a studio, it's, it's, you know, we saved some money and, and we probably made a lot of money from advertising dollars from having these uh, 2 million viewers. It was even bigger, Kartik, than Mexico. <laughs> that's, that's huge. Uh, so Mexico against Wales, the friendly on Memorial Day, uh, on Univision Networks uh, had 1.8 million, which is by itself a, a big number. Um, and then coming up this weekend, actually, it's Mexico against Scotland that's on FS1 and across the Univision Networks. Uh, that one's going to be at uh, the Azteca Stadium, and it's completely sold out. So a lot of anticipation for that one. Uh, that should be a great uh, send-off game for Mexico. But uh, some big numbers coming out of, um, uh, out of these big games uh, this past week. Now... Kartik, the thing I forgot to mention too, actually, in what we've been watching, is I was going to ask you if you had a chance to watch uh, Phenoms, the the new Fox documentary. I actually did not even know about it and uh, and found out about it after when I was reading The Week magazine, which is a, one of the news magazines I subscribe to, and it was listed as a TV program to watch, and I saw this on Saturday, and <laughs> show debuted on Friday. So I, uh, I will watch it this week. I missed the Davidson Sanchez, and I think... Uh, uh, Max Meyer, right? Those were the first two. Well, I'm not sure. I, I missed it myself. So, so, oh, okay. so, so, just for background, uh, I think there's a lot of people in the same boat as you, Kartik. I mean, Fox did a really poor job of marketing this one and getting the word out there. Last week's podcast, we did have the interview with Mario Melchiot um, and uh, one of the executive producers, uh, David Worthen Brooks, and and we talked about the film uh, a little bit and and talked about the, the whole series. So. The concept of it is great. The concept is is that they're behind the scenes, um, in the lives, in the homes, in in the changing rooms of these major athletes, and these they're major athletes in the Harry Kanes, uh, I mean, and kind of Deli Ali's and etc. But there's, there's some of them that are lesser known. So it's a great way to kind of get to know some of these players a little bit more personally. Um, it's just the the way that it's filmed is just so slow and dramatic overly slow it's it's one of those things that for most people i think within about five or ten minutes they would switch it off because it's just the pace is too slow uh i stuck it out for the the goalkeepers one which is i think the episode i think three or four 
Um, I enjoyed it, but after watching it, I was like, this is not going to work. Most people are not going to get into this. Um, and I missed it Friday nights when they had the premiere. So the premiere was on Big Fox. So this is huge. Prime time, 8 o'clock. Um, most of us didn't hear much about it. But this is 8 o'clock on a Friday night. And they had a double header. So they had the, the first uh, episode followed by the second episode. So TV ratings, that, that's why I bring it up, is this past that, – so that opening night. So – the week prior to that, just to give some context, so the week prior to that, Fox on a Friday night in that same time slot had a show called Master Chef Junior, uh, which is a broader appeal by 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 uh, by, no, by by all means really. So that one had uh, three million viewers for that that first hour of the show, and then for the second hour of the show, uh, the Master Chef Junior, they had three point five million. So that's the context of it. So Phenoms in the first hour on Friday night had 813,000 viewers, which by itself in soccer circles, that's a good number. But when it's primetime Fox on a Friday night, uh, I mean, in the homes, I mean, in all homes across the United States, that's, that's really low, really, really low. And then for the second hour, uh, it had 511,000 which is even lower. So you, you can see that people watch the first hour, and of those that watch the first hour, uh, a large percentage of those dropped off and didn't even watch the second hour in comparison to MasterChef Junior from the previous week where the, the second hour of the show was actually about half a million more than the first hour. So all in all, um, disappointing numbers. I mean, from Fox's point of view, it's really to promote the World Cup. And again, it was, I mean, for, I mean, I used the term before, but it's half-assed. It's, it's, most people didn't know about it. We did the interview with uh, with Mary Melchiot to try to get some publicity, but that's about it. I mean, there's really not much else going on, and I don't I don't see a lot of other people talking about it either. So it's um, if you do get a chance to watch it, um, some of us will like it. I, I recommend watching it, giving it an opportunity, giving it a chance. I enjoyed it. I just wasn't thrilled by it. All right, Kartik, so how about you go through some of these other numbers uh, that came through this past week? Yeah, so we had uh, 281,000 for uh, an MLS game between NYCFC and Houston on the Univision Network. So we had 144,000, just a terrible number for the Sporting KC Columbus game on FS1. 110,000 for Chicago Orlando Pride uh, NWL game on Lifetime, which, by the way, was a great game. It was a 5 2 match. Uh, Orlando won. Uh, uh, Cindy LaRue had two goals, so it's good to see her uh, getting back into, into some form, maybe uh, pressing Jill Ellis to be returned to the women's national team. That game, uh, I should be- I should mention, I DVR'd it, but it, it, it ran uh, concurrent with the Champions League final, which is uh, interesting. It's still got 110,000 viewers. And then um, 52,000 for the friendly, the much-talked-about friendly between LAFC Dortmund on uh, Univision Deportes uh, last week. I can't think of anything worse than a midweek game between an MLS side and a Bundesliga side if you want good ratings. I mean, again, uh, these uh, the Bundesliga ratings are terrible in this country. I know there are a lot of people who want to argue with me about how uh, so how many Bayern Munich fans there are in this country and how there are so many more Bayern Munich fans than West Ham fans or Everton fans. I, I don't believe that. And uh, the television ratings certainly back up my point of view. Yeah, it's disappointing. I mean, I mean the LAFC, which is I mean, kind of positioned as a, a hip MLS club, you I mean a, a new team, 
Borussia Dortmund, which is positioned as a very hip uh, German club, and Univision, which usually gets massive numbers for for any soccer game that it has, 52,000 viewers. And um, I believe that one of the U17 games that they showed last week on Univision had more viewers than this one. It's strange. It's really strange. I, it was also on FS1, um, which was like a last-minute decision that they just decided to go ahead and broadcast this game. I'm not sure what the numbers were for that one, but... Uh, I'm sure they probably weren't that much better, but uh, really disappointing there. The NWSL number, um, that's good to see because uh, it's been really difficult to get any numbers uh, out of the NWSL this season. And uh, I think that's the first one we've seen in, in since the season started. So 110,000 viewers for Chicago against Orlando Pride um, on Lifetime. That's great. Great news there. Let's move on to listener mailbag. We've got a bunch of mail this week. Uh, first one is from F Stover one through Twitter, and he says that uh, Stu Holden always sounds like he's yelling at me. The Gus Johnson of co-commentators. I much prefer the conversational style of Jim Beglin uh, and others. Jay Riddle says, uh, this is for you, Kartik, on Twitter. Can I put in a request for y'all to include your analysis of the Max Bredos, Fernando Fiore duo commentating the LAFC-DC match, please? Uh, did you get a chance to watch this one? I did not. I did uh, see all the controversial officiating calls from that match and Bob Bradley's reaction to it. But uh, I, I might go back now on ESPN Plus and try and watch it, actually, now that you, you mentioned this. Uh, I, I probably will do that today, uh, well, Jay. I, I watched the highlights, so I watched uh, maybe like a two-minute clip of this one, and uh, I had a laugh. Again, it depends what you're looking for. If you're looking for just laughter and just in pure enjoyment, uh, Fernando Fiore and Max Bredos are probably the two best you can have together in the same booth because uh, Max with his goal calls and Fernando Fiore, where you never know what he's going to say next, uh, it's enjoyable. Uh, in in small packages, so I, I wouldn't want to have this every single game because you uh, may be a complete uh, turn off, especially for a big, really serious, important game. But uh, for entertainment factor, I, I guess it, it would have been better for LAFC Dortmund to have them commentating that one, uh, where, it's, where it's a friendly versus LAFC DC United, where it's you mean uh, a meaningful Major League Soccer game. But yeah, it is what it is. Aaron Lee uh, tweeted us this. He says, uh, thanks for the Telemundo World Cup information. Will Soccer Talk and Kartik, uh, you guys, uh, it's the best way uh, to access it in the moment. Oh, no. He says, the best way to access it in the moment is via YouTube TV. Going to have to halt Sling TV temporarily. Uh, this past Saturday's UEFA Champions League final confirmed to me that most of Fox's coverage is not solid enough. So yeah, definitely YouTube TV is one solution that's going to get you Telemundo, as is uh, Fubo and Sling. I don't think has Sling. I don't think has Telemundo. If it does, it doesn't have a lot of coverage there. So yeah, good feedback. Average Geek, uh, John, uh, on Twitter says, uh, you complained about the championship final on ESPN+, Plus, but it was five to ten years ago that and it was on ESPN. No, 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 no. Let me start all over again. Sorry, John. You complained about Championship Final on ESPN Plus, but if it was five to ten years ago and it was on ESPN U, it would be the same issue. Which I get what he's saying, which is accessibility. And uh, I think a lot of us have ESPN U. Those of us who have cable uh, or satellite, uh, probably we don't realize how many how many of us actually have ESPN U. 
Uh, so it'd be a pleasant surprise to actually find it uh, if the game was on ESPNU uh, years ago. Um, the fact of the matter is, though, it's been... We believe it's been a decade or more since the championship final wasn't on television. And uh, in those years, it would have been on, you I mean, everything from being sports to probably Fox Soccer Channel, um, which is more accessible. It's something we watch all the time. So I get, I get what you're saying, John, but um, I don't think it's the same issue. But uh, there you go. All right, Raymond Orozco via Facebook. He says, I think you guys have a phenomenal show. I am a Mexican-American, and I feel that Fox's promotion of the Mexican national team is just disingenuous. But I do applaud the efforts. I think Fox dropped the ball during the Copa America they could have been one of the first networks to really showcase Hispanic American, Latin American soccer culture in this country as uniquely American. They could have went into these communities, into soccer establishments like bars, restaurants, even people's homes, and really highlighted the, the, the rivalries of the international level and club level and what drives these. They do this for a lot of English football and European football. Why can't they do that for football from the Americas? Once again, it showcases how uniquely American it is here in the United States. This is a huge percentage of the American soccer fans. Uh, thank you for your time. And he says, uh, which is excellent points, Kartik. Um, I completely agree. And he, d he adds, he says, I know you guys deal with the critiques of the media. I would be very interested to know how England versus Scotland is covered in England. And I would really like to know how a West Indies cricket match between England is covered in England or India versus England. And compare that to how English-speaking networks cover U.S. versus Mexico. I think there are a lot of cultural uh, similarities in these rivalries. So I'll take the England-Scotland one. And um, it's been many, many years. It's probably been a couple of decades since I've watched uh, an England-Scotland game uh, from England. Uh, from the BBC, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, for sure, it was very, at the time, very uh, pro-England, and uh, and kind of uh, most of the talk, most most of the discussion was all about England, very little on Scotland, so I get your point there too, if it's a, uh, say, a USA-Bolivia game where, well, USA-Mexico game, where Fox would cover mostly, in the past, would focus mostly on the US uh, instead of Mexico. Um, Kartik, anything about the cricket? I'm, I'm, I don't think you're a big cricket fan, but I don't know if you have any additional, anything additional to add. Uh, no, I'm not a big uh, uh, cr cricket fan, uh, although I think the um, the coverage of cricket in India is, ex is excessively jingoistic. I mean, that, that I've, I've noticed, and it's often done from an Indian perspective. I mean, I think um, it varies, though, again, by, by network in the U.S., because we, we've sat down and talked to Taylor Twelman, and he said – look, if the U.S. is playing Jamaica, it's my job to inform the Jamaican fans who might be watching because we have all of these groups in the U.S. Um, we have people from all, all, all these different countries who are potentially rooting for these uh, uh, countries in the U.S. Fox, on the other hand, has not taken that attitude. So um, I think it's also a difference in broadcaster and, and uh, maybe broadcast talent also in how they approach it. All right, one more letter, and that's from Craig Shapiro, and he tweeted us uh, these questions. He says, any idea if, if Fox Soccer Match Pass is going to drop its subscription price now that they won't have UEFA Champions League and UEFA Europa League next year? Uh, they're pretty much down to Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2, right? Uh, I suspect there'll be a whole additional subscription through TNT now. So through TNT, uh, it's, going to be, it's, it's actually going to be through Bleacher Report. 
So Bleacher Report will have their BR Live, uh, which you can subscribe to. And uh, we don't know what the prices are going to be yet. I think they're going to have a, uh, a price per game. So if there's just one game you want to you watch, um, we'll have to wait and see what the price is on that. Or if, if you want to subscribe for a month or for the entire season. But we'll have to wait and see. Uh, what about Fox Soccer Match Pass, Kartik? What do you think on that one? I mean, I was the pr- price point for me, um, and I responded to uh, Twitter uh, to Craig, uh, and the, the price point for me has always been wrong. Uh, it's always been higher than the other alternative packages, which give a similar value product. Uh, I don't see how they can continue with this price point. But for some reason, since uh, they launched it in 2010 in its various incarnations, uh, it was called Fox Soccer to Go then or, uh, or, or something Soccer. along those Fo- lines. FoxSoccer.tv. TV, that's right. And then it was Fox Soccer to go. It's always been priced too high relative to the market from my perspective. And, and I stopped subscribing to it years ago for that reason, even though I was I was missing some some of uh, the, the products, uh, soccer products because of it. Uh, so maybe there's no incentive for them to drop the price point, uh, t- drop the price. But given um, ESPN Plus is four ninety nine a month. Bleacher Report Live, I can guarantee you, will not be $19.99 a month. Okay, it might be $9.99. It'll probably be more expensive than ESPN Plus, but it's not going to be. Uh, there's, you're going to get a lot more value for it. I, I just don't know how they can continue, but they have uh, kept this sort of philosophy about the pricing for eight years now, and maybe it's because they just don't have that many subscribers. So um, maybe they'll they'll keep it at that at that price. But I certainly wouldn't pay that for for what they give. Yeah. I- and so for some background on this one, too, because Fox Soccer Match Pass is actually a product from Perform, right. which we talked about in last week's episode. Uh, so Perform, Perform uh, it's their product, uh, and it has Fox's, I guess Fox's, uh, well, Perform is licensing it out to Fox. I think that's part of the reason that it's always been so expensive is because Perform's taken their cut, whatever you mean, um, percentage of, of the um, subscription goes to them. And then also Fox has taken their cut, too. So with this one, with uh, Perform now launching DAZN this year in the United States, which is a new streaming product from them, I wonder if they'll just go ahead and, and get rid of Fox Soccer Match Pass and uh, take all the Fox Soccer Match Pass products, which is the Bundesliga, Bundesliga 2, uh, Copa Sudamericana, some of those games, and Copa Libertadores, some of those games, and then put that into DAZN and then add in whatever... Th- Whatever, whatever additional rights they'll get. So I know that they're interested in Serie A, FA Cup. Uh, there could be some other ones out there too that they're trying to snap up. And to me, that would make more sense if you have a product that's fr- directly from Perform, which is called DAZN, is have all the Fox Soccer Match Pass on the s- stuff on there. Fox already has their Fox Sports Go product, um, which is you mean, for, for cable or t- uh, television s- subscription people. And um, they also have the Fox, Fox Sports app. It's confusing because there's so many different ones. Fox Sports app, which also has all of the, the Fox coverage on there too. Again, it's not for cord cutters, but DAZN is. And maybe it's better for them to split and just go their separate ways and I mean, have people to go, go directly to, to DAZN. Pricing, we'll have to wait and see. I think, I think that's the thing about ESPN Plus with that uh, $4.99. I mean, that shakes everything up. So that puts the pressure on, say, a Bleach Report. We're $9.99 a month. Um, yeah, it depends, though. There's some months where there's no Champions League going on, right? So, you mean, during the height of, of the group stage, $9.99 makes, makes uh, perfect sense, I think. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. All right. 
Thank you for your comments, questions, feedback. You, you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post uh, your comments on our website, worldsoccertalk.com, and we'll read those out on air. So thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, iTunes, Audioboom, and worldsoccertalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. We'd greatly appreciate it. In Kartik, with a little bit of a break, but still a lot of soccer going on, uh, what, sh- what can they- should they do this uh, next week? Enjoy your football. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.